This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Dying for media. Just a little note to let you know that we will be talking about death in this series, and some names and information have been changed. Talking about death is never comfortable, but our goal is to make it less scary. So maybe give it a try and listen with care. Hi. Hi. You look really, can we just talk about how cute you look today? No way. I've never seen you in jeans. No. Never. My 70s bell bottoms, I love them. They're so cute. I kept them forever. Oh, wait, they're they're not from the 70s. Sure, I think. I don't know. I feel like I've had them forever. They're really cute. You have a cute butt. No, I've never seen you your have butt the best butt. You have the, I want some Nikki butt. Can I borrow your I butt? I have enough butt for all the chaplains around I the world. Love. Oh my gosh, I missed you. So, like, did you recover from the last episode? Yeah, our very it first was so episode. Fun. It was fun. How did you feel? Like, I was when driving you home, going, home? Yeah. "What do we just do?" I know. Oh my god. So, if you're listening, thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks. and if you're not listening, oh well. Then you don't know. <laughs> we're here. So whatever. F it. Um, you caught yourself. That was cute. <laughs> Mid F. Well, I was like, is it too early in the show to drop the F bomb? We got to warm up to it. Um, warm up. So there's someone here with us today. Yes. He's very special. Frankie's here. Now, set the scene. Who's Frankie okay, and why is Frankie he so awesome? Frankie is my little Morky. My Maltese Yorkie's probably 15, four. I don't even know. They told me he was four when I got him, but you know, that's you what you say. Streets, it's, like, right? it's like people on Match that are like, I'm 45, and they're really like 80. He's probably, or I'm, I'm, I'm six one, and they're like five four. You know what I'm, I'm talking? Assuming you have a lot of experience with this. That's a whole episode that's we're going to dig into, by the way, youunmatched.com. Do, do you have your reverend outfit on in your match.com? No, okay, I didn't think God, so. Nikki Gross. Ew. Could be a fetish oh you never know. I'm Nikki Boyer, and my friend Reverend Peggy has helped guide nearly 2,000 people through their last moments of life on earth. Emotional, beautiful, peculiar, supernatural, shocking. These are those stories. This is Near Death. So when you're at the hospital, uh-huh. Pegs, or you're out and about doing your chaplain work, um, you send me these funny little voice memos, which I love. Uh, <laughs> and the other day, you sent me one that we didn't have a chance to really talk about. And I think we should. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. Hi. Oh, okay. I had to send you a voice memo. Oh, my God. Okay. So... <laughs> Oh, I'm just leaving this house. Um, my friend, Father Greg, my buddy Father Greg, called me and asked me if I would stop by and make like sort of a house call. 
um, because he had this parishioner. He has a parishioner he wanted me to meet, and she is super interesting, he said. And he said that he thought we'd be a good match because he thinks I'm a witch, you know. Well, a good kind of witch, but he thinks I'm a witch. And um, so anyway, I, oh, my God, Nikki, holy buckets. She had fangs, okay? She, she opened the door and smiled, and she had fangs. I'm sorry, wait, wait. <laughs> Did you just say she had fangs? Yes. Like fangs. 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 Like fake fangs? Like, no, no, no. Her real teeth were, she had them filed in fangs. No, no, Becky. Yes. You're lying. I'm not lying. You swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God. Okay. You show up, she has fangs. Yeah. Okay, wait. You walked into the, did you, were you scared to walk in the house after well, she had fangs? Because Father Greg sent me, so I don't think he's sending me to my death yet. Okay. At this moment, maybe later, but I, you know, I was like, okay, I trust you, my friend. <laughs> You're very trusting. You walk in, it's like a Halloween house. Yes. Okay. There were dolls everywhere, everywhere. And they were like the creepy ones that trigger when you walk by. So I walk by this doll in the hall, the doll in the hall, and its eyes go, they like, they move and it goes, come play with me. Oh my God. It was so freaky it was so freaky that is when i would be leaving <laughs> just you are a brave soul that's when i was like let's go you were in i was like what else does this woman have i'm looking for the door oh my god and you're looking for the vampire <laughs> perfect i'm the dum-dum in the horror movie so she's you know smiling and talking to me and um i'm looking at her fangs and she's like i'm a vampire I said, oh, okay, you are, you're a vampire. She's like, yeah. And I said, so, like, for real or for fun? And she said, oh, for fun. And I thought, oh, okay, okay, okay. So we had this incredible visit, this great conversation. Um, she's super Catholic. And I prayed with her. And uh, I gave her some Holy Communion. And she loved taking the Lord. She loved taking the Lord. And uh, so, in the end, nobody burst into flames. So it was a good visit. I have very low standards for a good visit. I'm very easy to please. So many questions. (laughs) I love that that's how you measure a good interaction with somebody is that nobody bursts into flames. Someone with fangs and dolls. Pretty much. You meet people exactly where they are. That's what you got to do. I have to. So you really connected with her. I did. She was really dear. And I started to kind of dig the dolls by the end. I was kind of like... (laughs) All right, Peggy. (laughs) Okay, so that is the big weird stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of interested in the little weird stuff, the weird work stuff. Like, where do you take your breaks? Where do you eat your lunch? Do you clock in? Like, what? (laughs) Like, right? Like, the weird work stuff. What, What is that like for a chaplain? Like, do yeah, you, you clock in? You clock in. You swipe your badge one time a day just okay. to say you are there. You know. Are you friends with the lunch lady? <laughs> the lunch lady. There's only one. <laughs> For a thousand beds, there's that one lady. <laughs> you know her. Flow. In my head, that, that's flow what it is. Lunch. Okay, do you have to eat the hospital food for your lunch? Uh, no. You don't eat hospital food? No, never. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. And in my head, you just live like at the church and just float on a cloud to get to work. Like, <laughs> no, I sit in traffic in LA traffic, 
which is always a treat. And you're a salaried employee. Yeah. Do you get benefits? Salaried. Yeah. Do you get vacation days? Yes. Do you get bonuses? <laughs> um, yeah, there's a little Christmas thing oh. that everybody gets. It's very generous. Oh. Yeah, I get the 403B. The I don't dental. even know what that is. It's like a retirement oh, thing. okay. You know, and you got... You get dental and vision and health. Of course, oh my really gosh, good I bet your health. I was just going to say. Really good health. Your health. Oh my God. Do you just make a call and you're like, hey, doc, coming in? <laughs> or no, it's not like Pretty that. much. Well, my do- uh, yeah, my doctors are incredible. They're just the best in the world. I mean, they're amazing. And you oh. kind of forget that. Yeah. That's you know, because you're just going and then you're thinking of people that just don't have that level of care. And it's, it's unfortunate everyone should have that kind of. That is true. Well, you've earned it. Let me come on, look what you're doing. <laughs> come on. So. Do you ever have to be on call like doctors? Yes. Oh, really? Yes, for sure. You know, you did tell me that one night. You were I'm like, I'm on, on call. call and I didn't really, I was like, yeah. oh, cool. See you tomorrow. But I didn't know what that meant. What does yeah. on call mean for you? So what we do is I'll take a week, right? Every couple months or something like that, or every six weeks or something like that. So it starts like Sunday morning and it goes till Friday morning. That's so a the long full time. week, right? And you work your regular hours. Oh. But you're the person that if they call at three in the morning for something, you know, big trauma or a death or something crazy, it goes to your phone, right? It goes through a nursing office, goes to your phone, and then they call you. And you're like, chaplain on call. You know, it's three in the morning, picking oh up the phone. Gosh. And then you triage it and say, dude, is this something I can handle on the phone or do I go in? You need to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know. know when you get that call, you gotta like yeah. armor yeah. up and get ready. So you kinda oh. you kinda get yourself together. Do you get anxious or nervous when you get those calls or is it just not such a part of the job? It's such a part of the job now. I've been doing it so long and it's such a right. part of the job. How often do you end up going in based off of a call? Like- um it's so random. It's so like um it's this thing where you go, no whammies, no whammies. Like you do a little <laughs> blessing or a little kind of so you don't have to like, get called. <laughs> You do it. Like you say to each other, each chaplain, you're like, no whammies. You know, like, <laughs> Is that really what you say? Yeah, we really do. And you knock, you knock, well, no whammies. Because you want, you don't want to have to get called. And then some weeks, you Eleven nothing. instead of praying to God, you knock on wood and <laughs> say no whammies. no whammies. It makes total sense. <laughs> do you have a special bathroom you get to pee in or do you have to go where we all pee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Do you just pee where we all pee or do you have like a chaplain pee place? <laughs> a chaplain pee. <laughs> Where does the holy water go <laughs> from your body? It ain't holy. I'm telling you, it ain't holy at all. Do you no. pee where we pee? Really? Are these questions you have? Do you pee where we pee? I don't pee. <laughs> God evaporates you, my urine. I don't know. These are the things I... No, that's so funny. So I, I just think it's fascinating to set up this knowledge that, yes, you're a chaplain, you you are the spiritual, lovely human, but you're also a person in the world who has lunch breaks and goes pee, right? Like, I don't know. I think this is interesting. But I kind of want to get back to something that we chatted about in the last episode about the supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. I assume that you as a Christian chaplain at one of the most prestigious hospitals in the world that you would not be into the woo-woo stuff. I thought you'd be more like by the book and these are the rules and that I, I don't know why. Wow. But you're into it. I'm super into it. Well, isn't Christianity a little woo-woo as well? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm just going to say, right? yeah. so I mean. So are most chaplains like you, like believe in that stuff? 
Some do, some don't for sure. You know, for sure. Right. Everybody's, it's just as different as anyone in the world, okay. right? Yeah. Totally, yeah. And some people are really open to this stuff and, and, and curious and learning and, and wanting to devour different spiritualities. I think most of us are very, very open to learning about other traditions mm-hmm. and that's great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to be open to all that. But I'm not so sure that everybody's open to like, you know, ghosts and psychics and yeah, that's supernatural, and supernatural stuff. visitations and, and yeah. So have you always felt this way? Always, and I thought it's so weird now because as I got older, I realized talking to people that aren't this way that it made me feel weird. But as a kid, I was super mystical, super into all this stuff. I just, I just I always felt spirit. I always just felt the presence of spirit around me all the time, but I didn't really name it. And I didn't think it was, I thought every single person just moved through the world like this. Mm. It's like, isn't this what kind of who we are? We're like spiritual beings in a, you know, you hear that all the time, right? Spiritual yeah. beings having a human experience. So I was just that kid that was just, you know, I think every kid has an amazing imagination and a spiritual imagination. And I just, mine just was huge. And I always felt connected to spirit and other, and I loved ghosts and scary movies. I loved all that stuff from very little. And I, I the veil is so thin, Nikki, all the time. Mm. You know, it's just like there's always this going in between and, and connectedness. Veil. And yeah. the huh. veil is thin. I like that. It's so thin. And I mean, I'm thinking right now it's coming to me because I had um, so many of these things as a kid, you know, Praying over animals in the yard that died, ducks and things like that in Minnesota, but and then they're gone the next day, kind of thing. We're like, oh, did I, <laughs> did I help you? You know that kind of. You're like four, and you're like doing little <laughs> blessings on a dog. I was such a weirdo, but I didn't think I was a weirdo because no, I didn't. Did you think all kid, all four year olds were doing prayers over ducks? Yes, I wasn't. I think- <laughs> but I love that you were. That makes me love you even more. I think that I just was always super tuned into that, mm-hmm. and I just was into it. And I, I'm thinking specifically of a story um, that has really, it really impacted me. It stuck with me, and it was at I was 12, so you're sort of at that age, yeah. like tender, tender. Yeah. I guess it's a tween, mm-hmm. tween, tween's a lot different now than it was then. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yes, very different. <laughs> You're really still a kid. Yeah. Now tweens are like, are you 30 or yeah. 12? <laughs> you know, it's so different. But so I was 12 years old in Minnesota, and we all had our own room, which is such a nice thing. And I um, I remember what I was wearing. So I had PJs that had Miss Piggy on them <laughs> because it was – remember the Muppets were so big. Oh, they were everything. Everything. They were everything, and it was Kermit and Piggy, right? Mm-hmm. And my name is Peggy, and I have blonde oh, hair, and I, have a, I had a pug nose. So it looked oh. like Miss Piggy. So everybody bought me Piggy stuff. So I had like a Pig Power poster. I had Miss Piggy pajamas. They were like that kind of um, nasty 70s polyester. I know. I can Do you know exactly? Right now. I can, with the little, like <laughs> when you wear it too much, you get the little balls on yes, it. I know exactly yes. what you mean. Okay, yes. And you wear it out because you oh, love it. Yes. Right? And it dries in the dryer in like two seconds. It's like, done. 
right? Exactly. Totally. So it was like the worst material. Mm-hmm. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this antique rocking chair. My mom was an incredible designer, decorator, and we had a livable, beautiful antiques and art in our home, mostly everywhere. So I had this beautiful kind of um, craftsman rocker. It was right next to my bed. And I woke up in the middle of the night and my grandpa, my Irish grandpa, Papa Kelly, was sitting in the rocker. And this guy, he was one of these guys that no matter what age you were, he seemed like he was like 100 years old. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Totally. Like even when he was 50, I think he <laughs> looked, seemed 100. Because yeah. he was just like this crusty Irish guy, you know. And he wore the flat cap, you know, like oh, that yeah. flat cap. He had like this, all this hair, gray, curly hair. And he had these Coke bottle glasses because he had diabetes and he was almost blind. And he was a little spiffy. Like he always wore like a little vest, you know, and and pants, not really dungarees or whatever, and kind of nice shoes. And and he was sitting in my rocker, and he had a pipe, and he smoked pipes constantly, and they smelled so good. It was like almost an apple, mm. apple kind mm-hmm. of smell. And it was beautiful, like a, I don't know what kind of wood you use for pipes, but it almost looked like a mahogany. It was polished. It was beautiful. And I could smell it. He was smoking the pipe in my room. I didn't mind because it smelled really good. It's so comforting. And then he had his cane. And he was just rocking, and he was just sitting there rocking. And Papa Kelly was this guy that he, I was so impressed with him, even when I was like five, because he could cuss. (laughs) He could cuss for like three minutes straight and not stop and never repeat the same cuss word. That's talent. It was (laughs) right there. I remember just sitting there, like listening to him, like, it was incredible, right. but it was like the 1940s cussing. Right. Do you know what I mean? It isn't it like now different. where it's so like nasty. And <laughs> then it was just like, you horse's ass, you son of a bitch, you. And you know what I mean? It would just go, right? That kind of thing. Right. I didn't think he was, I didn't think I was his favorite. So I was like, it was kind of interesting. He was sitting in my room, you know, mm-hmm. rocking. I thought that my older sister was his favorite mm-hmm. because he, during the summers, he would sit there. And he would give her a buck to get him a shot of whiskey. Oh, my gosh. And she was, like, way better at commerce than me. You know, and she just was a, a kind of a business girl before I was. I was, like, doing car wheels, you know. And she's, like, getting a little stash of dough over the summer. I mean, that was a lot of whiskey. So I, did, I was surprised he was in my room. I thought he'd be in her room. And he was just sitting there rocking, and he was just sweet. He was just... It's just energy was there, the pipe, and I and I just said, hey, Papa. And he didn't say anything, and he just kept rocking. And then I just went back to sleep. So the next morning, I got up, and uh, my mom kind of gathered us kids together and told us that Papa Kelly died last night in Boston. Oh. oh, okay. That's what that was. He visited me. So that was really nice. Did you tell anybody this? I didn't. Why? I just, I just kind of had it. Like, oh. it was my little thing. It was my little thing. So I just thought it was, like, a little blessing from him. 
What's fascinating is that you had this moment and that you didn't leave the room screaming out of fear of right. being scared, no. of not no. knowing why Papa Kelly's in your room in the middle of the night. Right. You know, just like, and you went to bed. I went back to and bed. And then I would have woke up the next morning and after hearing that grandpa died, I would have been wailing, crying, telling everybody my story. Like, that's the kid I would have been. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't think. Such a weirdo. I'm not saying you're, I am saying you're a weirdo yeah, in the most weirdo. beautiful way, but that's not a normal response from a child with, when they find out their grandpa dies. You were like, oh yeah, of course he came to me. Yeah. <gasps> I thought that was really sweet. It is. It was really sweet. I wasn't scared because I thought it was cool. Cause I was like, yeah, because I really took him in, you know, I'm really like a super visual person. Like I can, I, my memory's incredible. Okay. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Did you know it was a visitation? Was there any part of you that thought, oh yeah, this is, or you just thought Papa Kelly was in your room? I sort of, because it was that middle of night thing, you know, yeah. the 3 a.m., which we should talk about sometimes, because that's yes. the with the witching hour, the noonday devil at 3 p.m. and 3 in the afternoon. It, it's kind of a scriptural thing, but also a mystical thing. Um, so that's often when people either get woken up or things come to them or, you know, visions and things like that. But I didn't, I just thought, yeah, he's here. Hmm. Oh, cool. And then, the, you know, this, the smoke definitely pulled me in well, yeah. to the moment. Why do you think he came to you? I don't know. I don't know if I was, if I was so open to it. So maybe he was passing through. Have you ever told anybody this in your family? I don't know if I told my little brother. I may have. But I didn't tell I didn't tell my dad for sure because he was just like not there's not, not a there's that. not a woo woo yeah. cell in that man's body <laughs> right. there wasn't Peggy you were such a cool I kid I was a weirdo <laughs> but it was it serves me the weirdo serves me now so I'm glad I was a weirdo I didn't know I just assumed everybody maybe had a little Papa stopover you know and maybe I was the one that just happened to wake up because no one else said anything. Wow. You were so open to it at a young age, but I, I think it's so beautiful and so profound. And you were comforted by this. Yeah. That's not normal. It's kind Sorry. of, doesn't rocking comfort people kind of? Not from a ghost. <laughs> no. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It was such a sacred moment to you that you that you were comforted by it, and then you just sort of carried it for yourself, which is why yeah. you're, that's just why you're so cool, Peggy. I just hold it. Yeah, it's like a secret little blessing. You know what I mean? It's like you got a little crystal in your pocket or something. Why not keep it for yourself? So you were completely equipped to deal with death and spirituality at a very young age, which is not how most kids handle it. Did you always know that this is what you wanted to do? No. God, no way. <laughs> if you would have told me this as a little girl, I'd be like, you are nuts. No way. No. no. What did you want to do? Well, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be, you know, a movie star, a TV mm -hmm. star, comedy, all that kind of stuff. I taught, you know, 
danced and I taught skiing. I was a ski instructor. I changed oil, pumped gas. I was a babysitter, a nanny, you know, waitress forever, mm. right? So you did yeah, it all. So I did all this stuff. Yeah, I was like the babysitter. I taught improv to kids. I taught, you know, I did a bunch of stuff like that, little sitcom in Minneapolis. And nice. Yeah, little, just little things like that. And, and I, that's what I really wanted to do. And I never thought this was going to be where I was. Um, when I moved to L.A., as you know, you have to do something that kind of pulls you out of that self-propelled, self-obsessed place you mm-hmm. are as an actress. Yes. Because you just, you're constantly, what do I weigh? How do I look? What do I like? Yeah, it's just too much. But when I came out and stayed the last time, I was teaching Sunday school to kind of keep myself connected to mm-hmm. faith and working with kids because yeah. I'd always worked with kids uh, in different ways. And that's... Um, six and seven year olds, and that's when nine eleven happened, oh. and those kids were in full spiritual crisis and really struggling and suffering. And I was with them in the suffering and then present in the crisis. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is what I'm gonna do now." And I just changed direction because that's what being a chaplain is: is being present with the wrestling and the suffering. Yeah, being that's, a witness. Yeah, you know, reflecting back, being safe place to fall, kind of thing. And after that, you know. And those kids were incredibly changed yeah. that Sunday after that Tuesday from the Sunday before. So I, I was like, this is, I think I want to do this. And then that journey was ginormous. It took like seven years to. Really? It's a lot. It's a big deal. It's to be, a lot. To go yeah, all the, yeah. I don't think people understand how much schooling it's a goes into being a, a yeah. chaplain, a reverend. Right. You do um, four units of CPE. You what's CPE? Clinical pastoral education. Oh, okay. So you're like a, a an intern. It's like a you know, a medical intern do okay. you're in the hospital doing the work. Right from the get-go. You're in the hospital doing the work. Then you have ordination and then you have to get your MDiv and then you have to be What's um, MDiv? A Masters of Divinity. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Is there a certificate yeah. on your wall that says that? <laughs> yes. Really? I have my diploma in my office. Beautiful. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like that by the skin of my teeth. That one happened. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, you you do the whole thing where you, you do rotations. You're in the hospital doing the work. You know, the, wow. and then when you're all done with all that stuff, then you go before a board. It's, and you I get can't certified. believe how much goes into this. Yeah. It takes... A long, you know, an MDiv alone is like three or four years. Wow, Peggy. And then all the training. And then you have to get 2,000 hours of actual work in the hospital. And then you can go for certification. And you then mean you can- Jesus just doesn't come down and put a crown <laughs> on you and say, you are a chaplain. That's how I thought it happened. Here you are in your early 30s and you found that your spiritual path was actually going to be your career path. Right, right. Changed it up. I think a lot of people, 9-11 did that to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, mm. and it's like, okay, something good is going to come out of this. For me, for me, that's when I became a student. So you just get thrown in, right? As a student, you just, you just go in and you figure out, can you do this or not? And my very first on call, it was just bonkers. It was so intense. It was baptism by fire. So this is 20 years ago, right? Um, so I'm kind of a kid. And uh, I'm the hospital I did my first unit at, my first training at, this was brand new to me. And they gave me a little pager and I'm like, ooh, you know, I'm a little, 
I'm all professional. <laughs> I got this. It's cool. What, and, you, what, did you, what did you wear at that time as a chaplain? I think it was like, you know, khaki time. Oh, got it. <laughs> I don't know why that's so important to me to always know what you're wearing. A khaki and an appropriate blouse. Okay. I'm trying to think of a store that would be like, oh, there's that one store. It'll come to me. Chico's? That, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, I think I wore much cuter shoes than I should have because the, my feet always hurt there. But- so when you were on call, you carried the pager and you stayed in the hospital for the whole call. Like you slept in an empty bed. Oh. Right? Like if there was a bed open. As a chaplain, you yeah. stayed over? Yeah, you stayed you over. You stayed over. I stayed stay over. over. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I'd stay over. Weird, right? So if there was an empty bed, otherwise you're sort of propped in the office or whatever. But if there's an empty bed, so you go in there. But anyway... So I was like, ooh, my first on call, you know, had a big Diet Coke. I was getting myself ready, had my little, you know, little pouch of whatever I thought I needed, my little holy stuff. And uh, I'm sorry, what's the pouch of holy stuff? You know, like a little holy card, you know, a little little rosary, a little holy water, you know, just for those moments to, to bless. And I had the pager on me, checked it constantly. And I would, you know, when there nothing was going on, because you start at like nine at night or something, and you go till eight in the morning, right? Oh wow! So I'd walk around campus, you know, like I was just getting used to the hospital. Like, I belong here. I'm, I'm cool. I belong here. <laughs> like the you first know what I mean? day. I'm like trying to be all like, <laughs> right? I'm part of the team. I'm part of the team. Hi, I'm team. <laughs> Such a dork. I was nervous in a way. I was like, what you know, because it's that thing you don't know, which is actually a better way for me to kind of move through the world. I like to, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you would go to every code blue, every trauma. It would kind of go off a lot, so you didn't get a lot of sleep. And, and uh, I think I went to a code earlier, um, and that person was fine. I went down to the ED, and they ended up being fine. And then all of a sudden it went off again. The pager went off again, and it came through. It was like a, it could read out a little bit, and it said pediatric code, oh. pediatric code. And I was like, pediatric, hey, perfect for me. I'm like the kid person. Like I, I was like, I got this, peds, I'm cool. And so I go down in the ED, and the social worker, um, and I'm, I just want to say I love social workers. I have huge reverence for them, and some of my dearest friends are social workers. But this particular social worker on my first long call oh, no. was very unskilled. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she was not as what I know now. And she's like, oh, okay, you're the chaplain. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, uh, you know. And she uh, she goes, we had a pediatric uh, trauma and the patient died. She's in the viewing room. And they, they had a room where they would put the, the body of the patient that died out. So you'd kind of come in and there'd be like a table and you'd come in and kind of beige walls and kind of low lighting and lots of Kleenex boxes, Kleenex boxes around. And it had kind of that, that, um, like uh, smell of like, you know, like fake clean kind of oh smell. Oh my gosh, I know exactly. You know that smell. Fake it's like, clean. Is it it's covering? really clean, but mm, I walked in, there's this little girl on the table, two-year-old little girl. Oh. And they were the really young mom and dad and the grandparents of the mom and dad in the room. But it was like this moment where you, I walked in and it was almost like, ah, uh, like the light seemed to be on her. So I just went, my my vision just went to this tiny little adorable toddler body, right? And they were kind of peripheral. She was so darling. She was so darling. 
And she looked perfect, except her head. I knew that there was some trauma on her head. But she looked perfect, and I'll never forget her. I mean, I can see her still. She had like a little pink jumpsuit on and these tiny little Mary Janes, adorable like patent leather Mary Janes. Mm. And she had little pierced ears, little hoops, and she had pigtails with like curly ribbon on the side, right? And she was laying on her back. And when I walked in, the social worker's like, okay, so I got to run. And she just left. And I'm like, what? You know, she just Your left. first day. My first on-call, my first oh my ever on-call death. Is a child. Is and a child. And the social worker is like, thanks, bye. Like, she just leaves and closes the door to the viewing room behind me. So what happened to her? Do you know? I think she had, a, like, a really bad fall. Oh, Something gosh, like that. Peggy. Like, I wasn't told anything. It said pediatric code, which means... In my knowledge now, is they're working on the child, right? They're coding them. They're doing CPR. They're trying to, risk, you know, um, get them back. Okay. That's that's what a code is. So she's gone. She's gone. And I'm looking around, and it's just, you know, it's that the grief that was surrounding her was just palpable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you could hear everyone breathing and just... The mom was just like, oh, it was just this kind of wailing, melting, you know, and grandma's holding her up. And dad's just pissed, just raging angry. Oh, God. And standing in the corner kind of looking away and just gave me side eye like, "Who?" and you are, you know, and then grandpa's there, kind of stoic, standing to the side. And I'm like, hi, um, my name is Peggy. And they're like... No English. <gasps> no. No English. They said no English. You know, they don't speak any English. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh God, what? I was like, the Spanish-speaking only family. And I'm standing in there, this, you know, this dumb Minnesota kid. Hi. You know? And I did your I training thought, kick in? Did well, you there was no training yet, really. Oh God, this was really this was kind of the. I mean, a little smidge of training. There's right. some training, but you know, 20 years ago was a lot. I think things are different. I think they just threw you in, which is kind of actually for me, kind of the way to learn. I'm yeah. kind of just throw me in the water. Kind so of. So what thing. did you do? I just went into like reading the room, and I just felt like. Oh my, like, there's no way I can understand the level of grief in this. There's no way, you know. And I just tried to be super safe for them. I wasn't going to be able to speak much, you know, and I wasn't going to sit there and make them work, right, trying to understand me. And so um, I just walked over. So the mom was kind of like draped on her. I came over and sort of touched her, and I just put my hand on my heart. I was like, I'm sorry. Mama, sorry, Mama. You know, and and then I just felt like if I touched her mm-hmm. and like was gentle with her, I was hoping that would translate to Mom that I would be safe for her. You know, that I could try to just contain it or just be with her. And then she just kind of fell on me, and I was just holding her up. You know, and she was just wailing, and um, and I just 
took the leap of like, okay, Spanish speaking only, probably Catholic. I just, I just said, I'm going to take the leap. Okay. And I pulled out the rosary and she grabbed it and she put it around, you know, around the girl's hands. And, and then I took holy water out and, um, I blessed the, the girl. I did a cross on her head. Um, and then I handed it to mama and she blessed her too. And, um, and I just, and I remember like a little tear coming from the little girl. Like I know after death that certain things, you know, sometimes tears come and things. And that really freaked them out. And and I was like, it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Like trying to tell them this yeah. was a normal kind of thing. And I wiped that. And I just, then dad got so emotionally overwhelmed that he just vomited. He just started oh. vomiting so I brought a bucket over to him, and I just stayed with him. And then I said, do you want to pray? And I think they understood that enough. Um, and I was like, oh, good. And I remember her hair. She was just like this thick, beautiful, dark hair, gorgeous, with the little like ringlet pigtails. And I just said, you know, Lord, um, we ask for blessings on the soul of this precious child. We know that you love babies, and you love children more than anything. So we ask you to welcome her spirit home and let her feel safe and loved and covered in the light of the Holy Spirit and enter into the broken hearts of these people, this especially mom. I always I always concentrate on mommies often, you know. And, and I just, I kept praying and praying and just petting her and wiping any tear that came. And mom was just leaning into me and just, I was just covered in tears and discovered. So I I went into our Father who art in heaven, because there's a cadence to it, right? And so I went into it, and all of a sudden, all four of them started saying it in Spanish, with me saying it in English, and we were on time. It was really something. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that whole thing, I'm getting like goosebumps. So that whole thing sort of came to an end. And then I'm like, and the social worker is, I think I've done everything I can do. I'm like, what the hell, man? You know, just drop me off. So I just stayed because I'm like, do I just walk out? You know, like, do they have what they need? You know, so I... there's no real way to know because there's no way to communicate and no one's translating for you anything. Well, I really wanted them to have their private time. I was like looking for her. And then she finally came back. I think it was like two hours. Oh, Peggy, two hours. I think it was was like two hours. Family and a little girl. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think it was like two hours. Um, did you cry? I did. I was just feeling that thing in the throat that mm-hmm. like, ugh, you know, yep, like, can I swallow kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really wanting to contain it and not, I didn't want to make it about me. I wanted to make sure that they, right. you know, I, I don't want, I never want them to work. I'm there to be of service. <sighs> and I was just, I remember standing back, but just sort of praying and thinking, oh my God. And then um, finally the social worker came back. 
Yeah, where was the fuck? What was yeah. she doing? Yeah, where were you? <laughs> so mad at her. I right was now. so mad. I know, was so mad, Nikki. And I'm just like, do not be like the bitchy chaplain in turn. Do not be a jerk. How did you leave the room? So oh. I just, I remember kind of, I can just feel that threshold of leaving that space because I'm like, now I'm into the stark white light of the lower level of this institution. You know, it's like a whole different world. Everything's the lighting, everything just feels different. You know, and I, I looked at them and I just kind of, I think I bowed or something. I don't know what I, I like held my hand and I was like, you know, yeah. the, the kind of like, I'm sorry, your heart, oh, I'm sorry, you know. And I was like, be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they understood, but I don't, you know, but it's the way you say it, right? It's like people will remember how you made them feel, yeah. not yeah. who you are, what you said. Yep. Um, so, and then I left and the social worker took over and I just thought, wow. And I went up because there's like this big grassy area at this hospital. There's like this big outside area. And um, I just remember walking out there going, what the hell? What the hell, Lord? <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Got it. And then I was like, okay, I guess I can do this. I, if, is this the job? And it's not that there was any like, divine design in this horrific thing, like this incredible, horrible tragedy. It's just that the timing of me being there was sort of like serendipitous, for lack of a better word, of like God going, I just want you to know what you signed up for. Can you do it, chump? You know what I mean? (laughs) Can you do it, baby? Any part of you want to scream and run like I would have done and said, no, I can't. I'm not equipped for this. No. I didn't know. You know, you do a little bit of a a relive, a, re- a relive, a, a revisit. Were you proud of yourself at all? I was, I don't know if I was proud of myself, but I was like, okay, that's what this, mm. this is, this is going to happen. This is going to be part of this gig, I guess. You know, it's not going to be just hanging out with kids that are healing and playing, uh, you know, Uno. Was there a moment? When you really fully realized, like, this was the calling for you. Yeah, that. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And, you know, I really removed, I really, not like a sociopath or anything. Like, I'm just removed from the feeling I wasn't. I mean, obviously, I can see and feel her immediately, just 20 years later. But I knew that I could be in there and... Handed over and handed over and handed over, and each prayer, each mm-hmm. touch, each everything. Like, what the hell do you do after a moment like that? I got a burrito. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Are you joking? No, I was so hungry, Nikki. <laughs> I was so hungry. I was hungry like an hour before this code came in. And you know, when you're in those moments, you know, your just body just stops, like everything yeah. you have to do, no functions. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have to pee or anything before those things happen. Your body just like goes, nothing's going to happen further until you're done. You're just like. <laughs> Hold on. I just I asked you <laughs> what you do after a moment like that. You said, I got a burrito. I got a burrito. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. They had an El Polo Loco in the cafeteria. Did you just say Polo Loco? Yeah. You are from Minnesota. Polo Loco. Yeah, yeah they got a burrito. Clearly, you don't speak <laughs> Spanish. I 
love you so much, Polo Loco. Hey, are you El Polo Loco? Because I like a burrito. Oh. It's Pollo Loco. Okay, gosh, for crepe sake. It's not Polo Loco. Fucking love you so much right now. Oh, wow. Was Peggy. That? Okay, all right. Peggy. Hey. That was a very hefty <laughs> pour of gin. Peggy. This is a fancy-ass shaker you got. I like watching you shake a martini. I don't think I've ever seen a reverend make a martini. I need to hold on. I'm taking a picture of you right now. Okay, ready? Cheese. Cheese. Oh, my God. Frankie's in it. I think we should toast to Frankie for being literally the yes. best dog in the world. He is the so best. Peaceful. Isn't he so cute? Oh, I love this damn dog so much, Nikki. It's just oh my God, like, we not even do... one ounce. Not even one more ounce and I would implode. <laughs> I could not even survive one more ounce of love. We have to do dog. an episode about <sighs> the loss of our pets. I know. I have such mystical, supernatural stuff around loss of, like, my dogs that died over the years. Pegs. Me too. Yeah, right? Everybody does, I think. Bernie, I everybody does. I think that's one that everybody can relate to. Peggy, I feel like I've never met anyone more qualified than you to do this work. It's amazing. Like, it's just sort of, it's inherently in you, right? From the Papa Kelly story of knowing that you had this spiritual connection and weren't afraid of it. You get your first pediatric call. On your first night, that's a child that has died. The family doesn't speak English. Like, everything would be like, run for the hills. And you're like, all right, God, I got it. Let's get a burrito. I'm a reverend. Like, what? You're amazing. You're hilarious. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> no, I'm hungry now, too. Wait, can we go get a burrito together? Let's get a burrito. So let's please. get a burrito. I have thought chicken was polo my whole entire 20 years in LA. Do you know how many people think I'm a dumbass? Because well, I'm now so it's on a podcast, so millions. Congratulations. Hurry up, I'm thirsty. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Is that gorgeous? Do you I'm, love that My sound? mouth is watering. I know, right? And I want a burrito. <laughs> We're so getting a burrito. Question, though. Do yeah. you use the holy water to make holy ice? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think the Pope would call and scold me? <laughs> so as we toast, is there like a final little <sighs> thought or something you want to share? You know, I was thinking after talking about Papa Kelly to you Mm -hmm. and what a weirdo I was. (laughs) I was such a weirdo, right? (laughs) And that served me so well. So I think whatever makes you a weirdo might end up being exactly what you should be doing with your life. The weirdest part of yourself might be the best part. I love that. Cheers. Cheers. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Weirdo. Look who's talking, man. Hey, let's head over to El Polo Loco. (laughs) Hey, so, um, I love you. I love you. (laughs) Hey, I love you. Cheers. We super appreciate you listening to today's show. And if you happen to have a story or something that you want to share with us, just shoot me a DM at Nikki Boyer on Instagram. And if you like our show, give us a rating and a review. It helps people find our show and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Near Death has bonus content where we get a little more personal at our martini after party. You should definitely join us. For that bonus content, subscribe to Lemonada Premium and Apple Podcasts. 
In addition to all the content that you'll get from our show, you can also unlock an array of bonus content from all the other Lemonada shows. So check out the free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on the little lemon logo in the middle of the screen. It's so worth it. Near Death is a Dying for Media production. New episodes drop every Wednesday. The show is hosted by Reverend Peggy and me, Nikki Boyer. Voice actors, Joe Hernandez-Kolsky and Marta Cross. Producer is Katie Amanda Keen. Tommy Fields is head of audio for Dying for Media. Nikki Boyer and Kevin Sabi are executive producers for Dying for Media. Executive producer is Reverend Peggy. Ad sales and distribution by Lemonada Media. Thank you so much for joining us today and going there with us. And we'll see you next time.